Um, for those who don't know me, um, my name is Josh Hudson. I'm the college pastor, college director um, here at First of Ann. Um, and I do stay pretty siloed in that world. So um, if you're not in college or college age, um, we may have met, but we may not have. Um, and you may have never heard me speak. So um, uh, this is this is me. Um, before I start and before I get into uh, tonight's text, uh, I'm going to I'm going to say a prayer. So uh, bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you uh, tonight with uh, open hearts um, that we can dig into your word, um, that we can glean uh, some truth and some wisdom uh, for our lives and how we see you uh, and how we see ourselves in relation to you, God. Uh, we thank you for uh, your word and for the examples that you've given us throughout Scripture um, to show us uh, these truths. Um, I pray that, um, that your presence is felt here uh, tonight. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Uh, Tonight, uh, we're going to be in uh, uh, Zechariah 2. Um, I have been going through uh, a sermon series with college students, um, and I'm really dropping you right into the middle of the series. Um, so this requires a little bit of context for you to understand kind of where we are and to situate you. Um, but I, I think that you'll get the gist pretty quickly because um, it's thematic in a way. And so um, each text kind of stands alone as uh, itself. Um, and this is a text that um, I really like for this series, um, but it's not one that I'm teaching in the college ministry. So uh, when Chris asked if I would do this, I thought, perfect. This is a great opportunity to use something that I wasn't going to use before. Um, I've been calling the series Dwell. Um, and to give you kind of a sense of why uh, we're doing this and to tell you kind of what I've been doing, um, it, to, I, I'm trying to paint a, a broad picture uh, of God's desire to dwell with uh, His people, with His creation, with us, um, from the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture, from Genesis uh, to Revelation. And that happens in numerous ways throughout Scripture, and we see examples of this uh, really from, from Genesis to Revelation, uh, but in the tabernacle and in the temple and in the incarnation and in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all of these things sort of work together um, to, to give us and paint us this picture uh, of who God is um, as He pursues humanity. Uh, the reason that we're doing this is largely because... Uh, I feel in my experience with college students is that uh, there is sort of an overinflated sense of loneliness and anxiety and purposelessness and meaningless um, that's embedded deeply in culture and has affected um, not just college age students, but everyone to some degree. Um, and I think that this idea of God desire to dwell with us um, addresses some of those things. Uh, and so this morning, I'm going to kind of show, or not this morning, uh, this evening, sorry, I, I'm probably going to do that multiple times because I mostly preach in the morning. And so uh, if you hear me say that, just ignore it. Um, but I'm, I'm going to do that tonight um, in Zechariah. And we're going to be looking in kind of what the exile says uh, about this idea. But uh, this morning in the college ministry, we talked about the Exodus, and this is a really good parallel um, for me. And so a lot of the themes are kind of, are really similar. Um, in the Exodus story, um, the Israelites are coming out of captivity in Egypt um, and into the wilderness specifically, but um, with the promised land in view. Uh, and in this story, in Zechariah, um, Zechariah is... 
uh, a minor prophet, and he is uh, in Jerusalem. He is one of the early returnees from the Babylonian uh, exile. Um, and there's a small contention of people, uh, and they've already started rebuilding the temple, but they've sort of abandoned that because uh, they're feeling pressure, um, economic and uh, military pressure from surrounding areas, that they've stopped building the temple. And Zechariah comes in and is encouraging uh, the people to continue that and calling the rest of the exiles um, back to Jerusalem. And so in that way, it, it, similar to the Exodus story, um, it's a calling out of slavery. And in this one, it's a calling out of exile. Um, slavery and exile work really well um, for physical circumstance in the Bible um, and help us. Uh, they, they're sort of types. They're, they're foreshadowing um, a spiritual uh, slavery and a spiritual ex exile um, that Christ is going to deliver us from. And so we see this ebb and flow throughout Scripture um, of, of being in God's presence and being removed from God's presence and being in God's presence and being removed. And, and so um, to kind of show you how that works is like in the garden, um, Adam and Eve are in God's presence unfettered. Um, they are able to uh, be in His presence and talk with Him and commune with Him in a way that um, we haven't had um, since then and that we won't have uh, until Revelation. But we see bits and pieces of that throughout the story. Um, and so after uh, the fall and Adam and Eve are exiled from the garden, um, we don't get His people in communion um, in God's presence until the Exodus uh, narrative. Um, God's Spirit descends on people, um, and God does talk to people throughout, um, but his, they're not communing with His Spirit in the same way. And so in the Exodus uh, story, we get the tabernacle, and that's a physical representation of God's presence uh, among the people. And when they set up encampments, uh, the tabernacle is at the middle of the encampment. Um, God wants to dwell in the midst of His people. Uh, God wants to dwell among His people. Um, Exodus uh, 25, uh, 25 verse 8, uh, th this is with the institution of the tabernacle, says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Um, and in Exodus 29, um, which is what I talked about this morning, uh, God is telling uh, the Israelites um, why He brought them out of Egypt. Um, he says that he brought them out of Egypt so that he might dwell with them and that they would know that he is their God. Um, and so this is the tension that we get, um, this bringing out of exile, this deliverance um, out of slavery and out of exile into God's physical presence um, so that we can dwell among him and dwell with him uh, and that we would know that he is our God. So those are the two things that I kind of want to um, hit on are the dwelling um, and the being his people. And both of those uh, are a part of this text in, in Zechariah. So um, that catches you up largely to, uh, to where we are this morning. And I, uh, what time do we get out of here? Okay, cool. All right. Um, so uh, let, me, let me read Zechariah. I'm not, I'm not going to read all of Zechariah 2. We're going to actually start in, uh, in verse 10. Um, there's a lot of interworking, uh, what's going on, and, and Zechariah is a very apocalyptic book. There's a lot of visions um, that sound very similar to Revelation and these other things, but the meat of what we want to talk about um, are, are verses 10 through, uh, through 12. Uh, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I come and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you 
and the Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. The word of the Lord. For me, um, just just so you know what we're doing, um, I'm not going to exegete this text verse by verse. Um, there's a lot in here and a lot of directions that we can go. Um, things like verse 12, um, inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. There's a lot of end times theology attached to these things. And I don't really want to get into that or bog down in some of these things. I'm trying to paint a bigger picture um, for this desire um, for God to dwell with his people. Uh, and when I say dwell with his people, I, what I there's a lot of things wrapped into that. Um, there's, there's physical proximity. Um, there's a closeness uh, to God. Um, but there's also a relationship. Um, and, and that's how we understand on this side of the cross um, what that means, uh, that, that Christ has provided a way um, to be close to God, to draw near to Him. Um, and we have a relationship with Christ in the midst of that. Um, on this side of the cross, uh, the, the, the side that Zechariah is preaching from, um, that's not yet a reality uh, for them. And so, uh, so what it looks like for us to draw near to God um, is a little different um, than, than Zechariah in the midst of this. Uh, but what's happening is Zechariah is calling the people um, out of exile as an early returnee to Jerusalem um, back to Jerusalem, and, and God is telling him that he will dwell in their midst um, and that they will know that he is uh, their God, that, that they will be his people. So uh, what I kind of want to do, and, and this is going to, we're going to, you, you don't have to flip with me, but we're going to go through lots uh, of Scripture, um, because with both of those things, um, being His people um, and dwelling with Him, I want to look both backwards and forwards from, from Zechariah. Zechariah comes sort of right in the middle of, of the Bible, um, really towards the New Testament side, but it's the second to last book um, in the uh, Old Testament. Um, and it's situated sort of in the middle of how we conceptualize the story. Um, it's really the, the end of the Old Testament, um, and it's kind of ushering in the New Testament. Um, I think there's prophecy in here that works not just from returning into exile, but it works for uh, Christ's incarnation, um, and it works with a new Jerusalem in Revelation. Um, but there's a lot that we need to look at um, behind there as well. So, um, so, so follow with me if, if you can, um, and, and you can just listen. Um, I'm gonna start with um, the you shall be my people um, language. Um, the first place that I think this really hits home um, is in the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, the language here is not exactly the same, um, but it's close enough that I think it's a very direct uh, parallel. Uh, so for us, um, in, uh, in Genesis 17, 7, it says, um, well, let's, I, I will just flip there. I have all these marked except for this one, so. seventeen seven. it says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring. This is God talking to Abraham. After you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Um, that to be God to you and your offspring after you. That is God calling 
uh, Abraham and his descendants to be his people. Um, and then uh, we get this sort of in, in other places as well in the Exodus narrative. Um, I've already quoted Exodus 29, I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. Um, and then we have in Jeremiah, um, the new covenant, um, Jeremiah 31. I want to read this for you. Um, Starting in, in, in 31 through 33, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them uh, by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is um, this idea of being God's people. Um, by the way, I, I mentioned the Abrahamic covenant. The covenant that, uh, that Jeremiah is talking about here is not the one from uh, Genesis that I read. It's, it's the Mosaic covenant. Um, it's the old law, the legal system um, that he's replacing. And we see um, in the New Testament and in Hebrews, um, it's a better covenant. Uh, it says, why would there be need for a new covenant if the old one uh, were that great. And it's not that uh, the old one is bad, um, it's just that the new one is better, um, right? Um, I, th I think it's Dan, Dan, is that you that quotes this? Uh, old covenant good, new covenant better. I was quoting Cole. You were quoting Cole. <laughs> yeah, Dan and I were talking about this uh, recently. But, but this idea of being his people uh, is something that we understand now through Christ. So the Abrahamic covenant, um, the descendants uh, we have in, in this idea, so uh, let, me, let me say Zechariah 2, back where we are in our text, um, and the Lord will inherit Judah as his portion. Um, the most famous Judean that I know um, is Jesus. Um, and Ephesians 1.5 uh, says that we are adopted. Uh, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, uh, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So, so looking old and new, this idea of we, um, the Israelites being God's people, which Zechariah is clearly talking about, but looking forward, we are adopted into that family and are his people. And so what is true in this case for Israel um, is, is true for us. Um, these, these promises are not uh, limited to, to just this. And so for me, I like... Uh, the subtext of the Bible. Um, I talked about this this morning, but um, subtext for me, it, it's layered meanings, right? We have the, the surface layer here of Zechariah calling his people back out of exile. Um, and then on this side of the cross, we understand um, because uh, of Christ, uh, his death and resurrection um, and his return and revelation that there's more meaning to this calling back to be his people um, into a new Jerusalem. Uh, so, so for me, that that we're his people. Um, I think that loneliness um, and that anxiety that is prevalent, uh, I think even epidemic among people uh, right now, uh, is answered in some way that, um, that we are God's people. Um, we, as a community, uh, are part of a community. We have uh, brothers and sisters. We're a part of a family. We're in, adopted into that family. Um, and we're not alone uh, in this. Uh, and the idea of dwelling is similar. We're not alone. God is with us right now. Uh, so let's, let's kind of move to this, 
to this idea of, of dwelling. Um, we jump back a little bit in, in verse 10, one verse back from the, you shall be my people. Uh, it, it's mentioned twice uh, in, this, in this section. I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord, and I will dwell in your midst. Um, this is uh, verse 10 and verse 11. Uh, the series that I'm doing with the college students is called Dwell. Uh, for me, God's desire to dwell with His people, uh, this was a watershed moment uh, for me and my own faith and in uh, working out um, how I related to God and what God has, has called me to, to be, uh, not just do, but, but who I am in Him. Uh, this is a watershed moment. God, uh, God loves us and pursues us and wants to dwell with us. And there is a flip side to this because I, I do think that um, we need to hold in tension uh, this idea. I, I don't want to suggest, um, I don't want to over-suggest, I guess, that... Um, well, I don't know that I can, I guess. Uh, now we're, we're off script. Uh, I, I think um, what we're holding in tension is, is, is God's presence. Uh, and it's felt um, in the Old Testament through the physicality of the tabernacle and the temple. That's why the exile means so much. Um, they're removed from the presence of the temple, which, which they uh, felt is where God dwells. Um, that presence, uh, it, it's, it's God's presence manifest in a place uh, in the temple. And the exile is the removal of his people from his presence. Um, and uh, it's the same with the exile from the garden, and it's the same with the exile from Jerusalem. There's a removal from God's physical presence in this space. There's proximity. Um, and it's a rem- the, the Israelites struggle to relate to God without uh, the temple. Um, it throws them in to turmoil, and they have to figure out how to cope with that. Um, God is still with them. Uh, he's with them throughout it. Um, but the, the physical um, place of His presence, they're no longer able to engage with Him in that place, right? Um, and Ezekiel, um, I, think, I think for me, Ezekiel is enormously confusing, but um, there, are, there are two parts to Ezekiel that I think are I think Ezekiel 10 is one of the saddest parts of the Bible for me, um, where he is envisioning um, the destruction of Jerusalem and God's glory departs from the temple. Um, he sees God's glory removed from the temple. Um, by the end of the book, I, I think in uh, 43, um, God's, God's glory descends back on the second temple. Uh, and this is where we have Zechariah. Zechariah is is asking and beckoning the people to come back and to complete the second temple, so that God's glory will uh, will descend on it uh, again. Right. So this this place of Ezekiel um, and for the Old Testament is this physical presence. Uh, for us, um, it's a spiritual presence. There is some physicality to it, but. But we understand um, the way that we interact with God and with the temple. So, so we're going to talk about temple and dwelling uh, real quick. Because um, for me, the garden is a, is a prototype of, of the temple. Um, that There's a lot 
there that I could that I could talk about, but you are free to look it up and also disagree. Um, but uh, I, I see Adam and Eve's role um, as a as a priestly role. Um, they sort of act as stewards of that place, that garden, um, in the same way that priests act as stewards um, and uh, and caretakers of of the temple and of the tabernacle. Um, and then in Christ, uh, we get in in Mark fourteen a new temple. Um, uh, Mark fourteen. Um, is is uh, Jesus on trial, and he says that, uh, uh, verse 58 says, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Um, Christ is the temple here, um, because the temple has always represented God's presence. Um, and we believe that Christ is God incarnate, so wherever he is, um, he functions as a temple. Um, and then when he leaves uh, his death and resurrection, um, he sends the Spirit uh, to dwell in us. And we, the church, um, as individuals who make up the church, but as the church as a whole, become the new temple. Um, and so we, wherever we are, uh, we carry with us the presence of God. And we can approach uh, God's throne um, with confidence. Um, because of Christ's sacrifice, um, boldly, Hebrews says, um, or, or with confidence, as I think it says, depending on your translation. Um, but, but boldly, we can, uh, we can, we can go into, uh, into God's presence, into the throne room, um, and experience His grace and mercy, His love. Uh, and so, uh, I don't know, we, we, we're, we're moving, and, and then Revelation gives us a completely new framework um, where we're dwelling both physically and spiritually um, in God's presence again, uh, which, is, which is sort of how Adam and Eve uh, dwelt in the garden. And so it's a, a reversal of all these things. Um, but there's a, there's a painting backwards and forwards, um, and in the middle here with Zechariah, um, we have God uh, wanting to dwell with his people for a, another time. Uh, and so let me... Um, let me go now, sort of, why, why, why does this matter? This is like a survey, right, of, of, of God's dwelling and of the temp- temple and of the tabernacle and um, being God's people. Um, but, but why does this matter? Um, so for me, God continually giving us a way to enter into his presence and to be close to him um, says something about who God is and who we are in relation um, there's a, what comes with that loneliness and what comes with that meaningless um, is sort of a depreciating sense of self-worth. Um, and the, part of what we need to hold in tension is that, yes, we are broken. Yes, we are sinful. Yes, we are depraved. Um, but if we only preach that, um, then we have a hard time understanding that God loves us um, that he's crowned us with honor and glory, that we are the apple of his eye, as, as uh, Deuteronomy and this text right before um, says about Israel, and I think by proxy us adopted into that family. Um, we, we miss that, uh, and it, it hurts our sense of self-worth. A culture is already doing enough of that, um, that we're not worth a lot, um, and that's the message that we hear from Christians often. Uh, thankfully, I don't hear it much in this church um, or from Cole. I, I, I love Cole for that, um, but that's the story. And then on the other side, uh, if we don't preach 
that we're broken and that we're depraved, uh, then why do we need a relationship with God at all, right? So uh, we hold these things in intention um, that God loves us and, and wants to dwell with us, um, loves us so much that He sent His Son to dwell with us um, and to die for us. Um, and that gives us some value. Um, it's not something that we've earned, something that we have done to gain that value. Um, it's bestowed on us by God in creation um, as created in His image, as image bearers of, of God, um, that we have an inherent sense of dignity while at the same time an inherent brokenness. Um, and those two things have to live in, in tension together at the same time. Um, they don't quite make sense, um, but I do think that they're both the reality. And I think that we see this uh, very much so in how God has pursued a relationship with us. We often talk about um, our relationship with God, um, but it's God who first loved us. Um, and uh, yes, we have a relationship with God, um, but He's made that possible and He's made that capable. Um, and for the Israelites, He does it through the tabernacle and through the temple. And for us, He's done it through Christ. Uh, and He's not done. Um, we don't have a perfect relationship with God. We're not able um, to be in His proximity, both physically and spiritually. Um, and that's the vision, I think, that's cast uh, in Revelation. And that's the hope that we have in His return, um, is that He will take the spiritual reality of now and the physical reality um, of the temple and the tabernacle uh, and will dwell in His presence in both of those ways. Uh, and so for me, that fights against this loneliness. It fights against this... Uh, the sense of self-worth um, that is um, that is dying, um, and it's in Christ that um, it's it's in His presence that uh, that we that we see. Another I've already mentioned um, John one, um, which if you want another dwelling passage in fourteen, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, this is the incarnation, uh, but before that. Um, this, this idea of proximity to God and, and what it looks like. Um, and uh, starting in verse 6, uh, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He, was, uh, he came as a witness to bear about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Um, and we access that light um, through belief in him. Uh, Revelation says there will be no need for sun, that, that the throne will shine, um, that he will be the source of light. Uh, and the way that light works, the further you're removed, the farther that you're removed from that source of light, the darker it gets, right? That's just how it works. Um, and it's through belief uh, that we are in proximity to that light, um, that we see all things, um, that we see Him for who He is, the true light, um, and a proximity away from Him, which comes through disbelief, um, results in darkness um, and the removal of that light. And this is where the exile narrative, uh, I think, hits home. Um, 
that's God's judgment. Uh, whatever you believe about hell, uh, and, and different Christian traditions and different people have lots of theologies about it, um, but nearly all of them agree that God's presence uh, is not there, um, that you are separated from God. Um, and that's what the exile foreshadows. Uh, in the same way that the beckoning back to his temple um, foreshadows a relationship in his proximity, um, the exile reflects uh, an existence and a life away from that. Um, and those are intense things to sort of think about and require us to, uh, to mull over um, where we fit in, in the scope of this. But we have an opportunity as John 1 says, to be called children of God. Uh, and it comes through uh, those who believed. Um, so for me, uh, again, as I, as I said, the, this, this dwelling and in, in, in this people of God is something that is uh, spread throughout Scripture from, from Genesis to Revelation. And we find ourselves situated in the middle of that in the same way that Zechariah did. Um, and uh, we have, a, we have a, 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 the ability um, through Christ to, to be in uh, relationship and in proximity to God that we can draw near to the throne of grace. Um, but without that and without that belief, um, we exist both in a spiritual darkness right now um, and in an eternal darkness um, cast away from that light. Um, this is it. Uh, that, that is, um, I, I think that's where we are, but the hope um, that Christ gives us is, is one of a relationship with Him, and what it communicates about God is that He wants a relationship with us. Um, bow your heads. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank You for the example that You have given us uh, in Scripture through Zechariah, through these visions, um, that You call us um, into Your presence, uh, to Your temple, to, to Christ, uh, who lights our path, God. Uh, we thank You that... Um, we thank you for the love that you have for us, that you pursue us, um, that you pursue us relentlessly, and that uh, however humanity has messed up, um, you continue uh, to pursue us. Um, I pray that we uh, recognize the Spirit's work in our life, um, that we're attuned uh, to you through Christ's Spirit, um, and that we seek you in all that we do. Um, we love you, and it's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.